you have a Bible, open to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. If you do not have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, unless someone stole it. If they did, we'll get another one somewhere. Matthew, chapter 28. We'll be reading the first eight verses, and then we'll pray and ask God to bless His Word. Notice verse number 1, Matthew chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The word men there, that's placed in by translators and they became like dead. Verse 5, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples' word. Heads bowed, eyes closed, we're praying, preaching on this subject tonight. He is risen. Our Father, we thank you for being so good again to us. God, we thank you for the privilege now to open your word and God, to preach from your book. Now God, I again understand that these folks don't need me, God, they need you. And so God, I pray tonight I'd be your servant, God, that I'd be a vessel of honor, God, that you'd use me for the glory of God. Lord, I pray even now that you'd cleanse me and forgive me and help me, God, to be able to communicate what you want to say to us tonight. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the sweet Spirit of God as he speaks to our heart. And God, I pray that he would indeed do that again tonight. God, there would be freedom in this place, not only to preach, but to respond. God, give us ears to hear. God, give us a heart to receive and courage to change and obey your word. God, do it for the glory of God and for your great namesake. God, it'll be for our own good, but it'll be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter number 16, verse 21, Jesus uh, says that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Have you ever noticed how some folks just don't seem to get it? I heard a story about a 73-year-old woman named Becky who just got her first computer. After her son spent over two hours teaching her how to use it, she was sure she knew everything there was to know about computers. Unfortunately, one day she couldn't get it to start, so she promptly called an IT guy to come over and to take a look at it. Uh, The IT guy managed to fix the issue in just a few minutes and was on his way back or on his way out. 
And Becky was so proud as she overheard the IT guy on the phone with her, with his boss telling him about the issue. She was sure that what he was telling his boss was a serious issue, and she was sure that she took care of it the right way. And before, before he left, Becky asked the man on his way out, Excuse me, I couldn't help but hear you talking with your boss on the phone, explaining to him what was wrong with my computer. Just exactly what is an ID10T? Just so I can tell my son. The man smiled, took out a pen, and he began to write ID10T. Some folks just don't get it. Maybe you'll get that later if you didn't get it here. But some folks just don't seem to get it. But tonight, we're going to see some things come together for the people who walk with Jesus. And friend, they're going to start to get it. They're going to start to get it all. Uh, This truth that he had taught them since he established the church in Matthew 16. By the way, I think Mary of Bethany got that truth uh, early on because she had kept that oil for his burial. And so we're going to see tonight, uh, straight out of the Bible, straight out of Matthew 28, here's some things concerning he is risen. Notice first in verse number 1, the close of the Sabbath. Matthew 28, 1 says, in the end of the Sabbath. Scholars uh, debate the exact timeline when Christ was crucified. The Bible paints it out pretty clear for us. There's one thing we know. Matthew states clearly that Jesus was in the tomb on the Sabbath. He's there on the Sabbath. Exodus chapter number 20 holds the record of God's giving Moses the Ten Commandments, the law of God on Mount Sinai. Number four on the list of God's top ten is, Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The command in itself was good. We know that. God said it. That's enough. It's good. Uh, But man needed it. He needed it. And through the course of time, man felt a need to add to what God had said. Uh, God made it a holy day, but the religious elite of Israel had made it a very hard day. They made it a hard day. And so throughout time, those authorities, religious authorities, made additions to the law of God and what probably started out as an effort not to break it, but soon that effort turned into endless restrictions to the point that Jesus would say later in Matthew 23, Concerning the scribes and Pharisees, they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. It's a very hard day. Specifically in reference to the Sabbath, there were 39 categories in the Mishnah, which if you don't know what that is, that's uh, the oral tradition uh, that makes up the first part of the Talmud. not going to give you a Jewish uh, uh, scholar. Not, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't know all the details in reference to that, but I do know what uh, Google says, okay? <laughs> and so that's what he told me. Jonas Taylor will also tell you that, all right? So look here, in reference to the Sabbath, there were 39 specific categories uh, listed of restrictions for the Sabbath alone. They, they included things like sowing, plowing, reaping, washing wool, beating wool, dyeing wool, all kind of categories. And they would even go on uh, uh, to, to, to the extent of writing two or more letters on the Sabbath. If you did that, you were breaking God's law, they said. If you were to erase two or more letters, you were breaking the law. Now those are just 
uh, that's just one category. So you can only imagine what this oral tradition did to the rest of God's law. Binding those heavy burdens upon men's shoulders. And so those tasks that were prohibited, uh, not only those tasks, but also anything that operated by the same principle was prohibited. It's been said that you couldn't even strike a match to light a candle without breaking these regulations that they put on the same level as God's law. Mm. In fact, if you were to go to Israel today, on the Sabbath, you'd find the Shabbat elevator, which uh, if you push the button, it goes up one floor, ding, one floor, ding. One. That's there for those Jews who observe the Sabbath. They believe that if they go up more than one floor at a time, they're breaking God's law. And that's why it's there. And so we see very quickly that these restrictions would limit rest on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was to be a day of rest. But the rules and regulations would bring about exhaustion. As stated this morning, I'm glad that Jesus said, if you'll come unto me, I'll give you rest. And let me just say here that the Sabbath was not given to you or to me. It was given to the Jew. It was given to the Jew. You and I are not a Hebrew, but spiritually speaking, we're all children of Abraham by faith according to Romans 4, 16. And so we see these principles here in the Sabbath concerning our rest. But listen, our, our rest is not found in a day, but in Christ alone. Amen? For He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so uh, concerning these things, they had gotten so far out of hand, they had forgotten that the Sabbath was not made for God, it was made for man. Now, lost man here tonight, I want to say to you, you can live out your life, heavy burdens, rules and regulations, and at the end of it, you'll be worn out and still lost. James 4.10 says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and offended in one point, he is guilty of all. Friend, you can't work your way to heaven. But Jesus tonight will give you eternal life. If you'll find yourself a place at the Master's feet, you can find rest. And so we see the close of the Sabbath here. Now after the Sabbath, verse number 1, the first day of the week began to dawn. The close of the Sabbath gives way, obviously, to the coming of Sunday. You see, the Sabbath was Saturday, and the coming of Sunday now, the dawn of the first day of the week. The Sabbath was the, uh, was the day for the Jew that was full of dead religion and rules and regulations. While Christ lay lifeless in the tomb, the Sabbath came to a close and a new day is dawning as it began toward the first day of the week. Now I want to be plain again. Uh, you and I, we do not celebrate the Sabbath. We celebrate the Lord's day and the Lord's day is not the Sabbath. Did you know that? Our Lord was dead on the Sabbath. We celebrate a new day. Our day is a day of refreshing, not restrictions. Our day is a day of worship, not of worries. It's a day that we can assemble ourselves together in humility and happiness with a repentant heart and be refreshed and recharged to go out into the world and make a difference. That's the day we celebrate. That's today, amen? And so why, uh, why in the world would one want to take and bind up something that is intended to be so refreshing? Yeah. Well, we even get to come midweek. We could come on Wednesday night and celebrate the Lord's resurrection on a Wednesday. It doesn't have to be Sunday. 
And so the Spirit of God here through Matthew's pen makes us fully aware that the Sabbath has come to a close. Christ was dead on the Sabbath. But a new day has come, and thank God today... He's alive, amen? He arose in victory over the grave on the day after the Sabbath, the Lord's Day. Now, I know we're pressing toward Easter, but do you realize that many folks don't know, they don't realize that we can celebrate Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. We can. A preacher preaches about it. He tells us like that we ought to celebrate every Sunday as Resurrection Sunday. Why? Because we believe He got up out of the grave. That's why we're here. And so we see... The close of the Sabbath, Sunday has come, but thirdly notice the concern of our sisters. Not biological sisters to each other or to us, but spiritually we're sisters in the Lord. They're concerned. But Mary Magdalene here and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Mary Magdalene is the one whom Jesus cast out seven demons. She is the first recorded witness of the resurrection. And this other Mary is believed to be Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Matthew 27, 55 and 56, Mark 15 and 16 tells us that that this Mary is the Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. These women had no doubt walked with our Lord day after day and they had fallen in love with Jesus Christ. They were concerned for Jesus. In the midst of great shock over what has just taken place concerning the death of their master, friend, they're still concerned with Jesus. It seems right the opposite today, doesn't it? Most in our world today don't seem to be concerned with Jesus at all, everything but Jesus. Uh, In our communities, most seem to be afraid to rock the boat for the sake of political correctness, wouldn't you agree? Uh, The very fact, hear me, the very fact that these two women were willing to go to the tomb Oh, friend, it says something. They were more concerned with their God than the government. You say, I don't see it. Oh, friend, listen. The Roman government had sealed the tomb. These two ladies were more concerned with God than the government. May I suggest to you tonight the reason we in America do not see the power of God anymore is because we're not concerned with God. We have Taken, we have given more respect to the government than the Lord Jesus. Wouldn't you agree? That's what we've done. Friend, I want to say to you tonight, God's not gotten old or out of shape. He's not fragile or feeble. Friend, He is not in need of anything. He's still the same God today as He was yesterday. And if we want to see the power of God in America, we need to get over being politically correct and give God the respect He's due. Amen. Amen. Now, The rock of ages has not lost a single ounce of his omnipotence. He's not gotten older out of shape, friend. The ancient of days has not gotten one day older. He stands beyond the bounds of time and space that we know. Friend, he is the same yesterday and today. And he will not, he will not cast his pearls before the swine. Isn't that good? So if we want to see the power of God in America, we need to get out of the pig pen, amen? I mean, that's the truth of the matter. That goes from the White House, your house, my house, to the church house. Peter said, it's time for judgment to begin at the house of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but friend, there there are no doubt some members of Hillcrest Baptist Church that need to get out of the gutter and get their life cleaned up before God. Maybe you tonight. These two women, listen, they were more concerned with Christ What are you concerned with tonight? What are you concerned with? Are you concerned with Jesus? 
Are you more concerned with trying to sell this world to your children so they can have a prosperous journey? Friend, listen to me. If you're doing that tonight, you're making a big mistake. These two women concerned with Christ. And so we see this. We see that the Sabbath has come to a close. We see the coming of Sunday. We see the concern of our sisters. Now watch this. There's a catastrophic situation. Look at verse number 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Let me just say it like this. They showed up. God showed out. They saw it all. Sometimes God shows out and we miss it because we won't show up. That's just the truth. We'd rather be engaged in something else than experiencing the glory of God. Friend, listen. There'll be, there'll be a great reckoning day. Can you imagine if when we stand before Jesus, we're going to have to give an account of every opportunity that we had to experience Him and chose something else. What a sad day that would be. So notice here in this catastrophic situation, first there's an earthquake. You do recall at the Lord's death, the earth quaked and the rocks split as He was on the cross. Here at His resurrection, it quakes again. John Phillips says that the ground shook with palsy when its Creator died and it shook with pleasure when He arose again. When Jesus came into Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey at what we call the triumphal entry, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice saying "Many mighty works they, for the many mighty works they had seen and they were saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hosanna in the highest, they proclaimed. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, they rebuked King Jesus. They said to him, tell your disciples to stop. But Jesus said, I tell you that if these don't, if these should keep silent, the stones would cry out. Friend, the, the earth knows who its creator is. At the cross, the ground convulsed over the horror that Jesus faced as he breathed this last. But at the grave, it seemingly cries out holy when he conquers death. This was an earth-shaking, ground-breaking, breath-taking event. But that's not all. That's not all. There was an earthquake. But there was an angel. Verse 2 says, For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. Now notice thirdly, there was an open door. There's an earthquake, there's an angel, and there's an open door. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I like that. I like the fact that he's sitting on this stone that the government had sealed. Listen, God can open doors that no man can close. We know that. Now, I've already told you that the government closed it, but friend, God opened it. You do know that God trumps the government, don't you? I like that. God trumps the government. You'll get to that after a while. Now look here. You say, well, I wish God would open doors for me. Anybody have that, have that desire? I have that desire. Can I tell you who God opens doors for? Those who keep His word and do not deny His name. That's what Revelation 3, 7, and 8 says concerning the church of Philadelphia. 
the, the, the scripture records, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things, says, he who is holy, that's Jesus. He who is true, that's Jesus. He who has the key of David, he who opens the door, no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Now listen. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Friend, you want to open door? Keep the word of God. Don't deny his name, but boldly, openly proclaim that Jesus is Lord. He will open doors. So we see an earthquake, an angel, an open door, but notice, fourthly, his awesome appearance. Verse 3. This angel's countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. This angelic messenger is cloaked in an unapproachable light. Isn't that impressive? When he sits down on that stone that was rolled away, the ground wasn't the only thing shaking. The guards are shaking. Verse 4 says, They shook for fear of him and became like dead. Mm. In that moment that the angel of the Lord appeared, I think the very same thing happened to them that happened when our Lord was being betrayed in the hands of sinful men in the Garden of Gethsemane. There in the garden the night before our Lord was crucified, they came seeking Jesus, the mob, along with Judas. And the Lord asked, Whom do you seek? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am He. John 18, 6 records, When He said to them, I am He, they drew back and fell to the ground. You say, what did He do? Well, I don't know for sure, but in the garden of Eden, He breathed the breath of life into man. And so in the garden of Gethsemane, it may be for just a moment, He sucked the breath back out of them. Just those words from his mouth knocked the breath out of them. They fell back on the ground. Here in Matthew 28, these guards have been standing there for three days. Three days they've been present at the tomb. Nothing has happened, and yet in the wee hours of the morning, this angel appears, the earthquake, the stone is rolled away, and the one they put in the grave is gone. He's alive. I'd probably fell down too, wouldn't you? I mean, goodness gracious, can you imagine this scene in your mind? Now, I see a supernatural lesson here, friend. I, I, I see these two guards here being a supernatural lesson. You see, when you truly see Christ risen from the dead, your flesh will die too. Now, listen, even though the old nature doesn't go away, the old man is dead. The new birth brings about a new creation in Christ. Regeneration takes place. Repentance turns one away from the old man. He is crucified with Christ. And raised to walk in newness of life. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, you do know that Jesus gave himself for you, don't you? Me, individually. Jesus gave himself for us. Can't you see this in your, this scene in your mind? These two weak women, here they are in Christ. They're standing, looking upon this angel, sitting upon that stone. And these two mighty Roman soldiers laying on the ground in fear, like dead men just outside the tomb. What a scene it must have been. I see them dead. Spiritually in trespasses and sin. But you know what the wonderful thing about race is? Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, those two guards, how many ever they were, the Bible doesn't explicitly say, whoever they were, 
how many ever they were, they could have tasted the same sweet grace that we've tasted and been saved. Amen? Amen. They could have been born again. And so we see this catastrophic situation, but notice there's a command to share in verse number 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for his risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell. You see that? First notice there's a silencing of fears. He says, do not be afraid. Secondly, there's not only a silencing of fear, but there's a showing of fact. Verse 6 says, he is not here. He is risen, as he said. Even said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So this angel showed them the facts and said, Now go share your faith. Now church, I want to ask you, have you seen the facts? You say, I've never been to Israel. Well, I've been to Israel, but that's not what I'm talking about. Have you seen the facts? The Spirit of God, as He bore witness with your spirit in your heart that you're a child of God, friend, if you believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, you've confessed with your mouth that He is Lord, you have received the Spirit of God, friend, you've got the facts. you got them. You've sensed the Father's love silencing your fears. So go share your faith. That's what He's talking about. Go share your faith. So there's a silencing of fears, a showing of facts. Now notice... There's a sending forth. Verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. He first says go tell. Go tell who? Those close to you. The disciples. They were the closest to... Those were the ones that they were closest to. You know... Not necessarily their family either, by the way. Friend, in this room tonight, I'm closer to many of you than I am my own family. I, I, I know I speak for the staff in general. Most of you uh, are, are just as much family as our own family. But now look here. There are still some that we know that we're close to that are lost. This angel says, go tell those who need to hear. The disciples need to hear. He says, go tell, but he also says, go to. Go to where? Well, very plainly, the place where you can see him. He's going to Galilee. So I want to say to you, some of you may not be at a place tonight where you can see Jesus. Again, I know it's Sunday night, but listen. Hear what I'm going to say to you. You say, I don't understand. Well, friend, are you willing to follow Jesus daily? Because these old boys was fixing to have to walk about 70 miles to get to the place where they could spend some time with Jesus. I mean, they were. They were all in Jerusalem. They were going to have to travel to seek the Lord. Now listen, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. You say, where in the world do I need to go? Well, physically... There are some places we need to go. Physically, we need to find ourselves in the body of believers. Amen. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, when the doors open, man, I want to be here. Why? Jesus might show up, walk through the wall. I don't know, you know. I doubt it till he comes again. Right. But look here. In the upper room, 
They experienced Jesus. And Thomas missed it one time, didn't he? Amen. Now Jesus is not going to walk through the water. But we, he may show up in spirit power and we miss him. I don't want to do that. I don't want to miss him. And so look here. These were going to have to move. They were going to have to leave where they were in an effort to get closer to the Lord. And so often there are many things that we have to leave behind. Friends, family, old things and flings. You know what I'm saying? To get to a place to see Jesus. You say, where's that at? Well, it's wherever he says. Uh, Not only wherever he says, but wherever you have to to get along with him. But listen, we're not talking simply about physically. We're talking about spiritually. He went up, the Spirit came down, and now anywhere, anytime, if I'm willing to separate myself from the world and get along with Jesus, I can experience Him. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 6, concerning prayer, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. Jeff Laborg says it like this. If you want a word from the Word, you've got to get along with Jesus. I know, I know we live at a fast pace around here. Friend, I want to say something to you, and I don't want to be an offense. I want to help you. If all you're spending is five or ten minutes at the beginning or at the end of a day with Jesus, friend, you're starving. You spend that much time at the dinner table and see how much weight you lose. I'm serious. We need to feast with Jesus. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to spend time alone. You say, I got 12 kids and I can't keep up. I know. I got three. I feel like I got 12 sometimes. But look here. And I I know I'm in a different situation than you are. I get it. But church, we still got to make time for what's most important. That's Jesus. And so we see that if we want to spend, if we want to get along with Jesus, we can get a word from the Word. Man, these these women, they had come by themselves here to the tomb. And they experienced something that others could have experienced, but they missed. They missed out. And so we see this angel give this command to share, but notice, finally, There is quick submission. There's a command to share and there's quick submission. Matthew 28, 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring His disciples' word. Wouldn't that be impressive tonight if we all ran out the back door and we ran across the street down into Upton Heights, Inman Court, and we just started shouting, Jesus is alive. They'd think we're a bunch of nuts, wouldn't they? We are in the eyes of the world. Friend, they ran. They were so excited. But I want you to notice something here. Even though this angel silenced their fears, this jumped out at me, there is still the presence of fear. Even in the midst of this obedience. You know what action in the midst of fear is, don't you? Courage. It's courage. These two women didn't let their fear override their faith. And so church, we need some men and women of courage here. We need some teenagers of courage who are willing to proclaim the truth of the gospel in the face of a world that's not willing to listen. We need some courage. 
You say, well, you don't have to be afraid. Just trust Jesus. I agree totally. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But friend, the Bible's plain. These women were afraid. In fact, it is the same word used to reference the fear of the soldiers in verse number 4. Phobos, phobia. They were afraid. But notice here, there's fear present, but there's also fulfillment. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. They didn't let their fear override their faith. They were willing to obey. And as they did, it produced something in their heart and life that the world cannot give you. Great joy. Church, we know why so many Christians are miserable tonight. That's the world. They're miserable tonight because they do not know how it feels to fulfill their purpose. I told our teenagers on Wednesday night, if you try to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you're going to be miserable. But it doesn't... It's not just for teenagers. Friend, if you're here tonight trying to live that life... You're miserable. And you know you are. There's only one remedy for that. Submission. Submission unto Jesus. To share the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is alive, friend, that's when fulfillment begins to take place in an individual's life. The great news brings about great joy. Friend, if you don't have any joy, why in the world? Does a lost world want to be like you? The joy of Jesus. Nehemiah says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. They went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. I wonder tonight, do you have any joy? I referenced this morning our body being the temple, the flesh wanting to profit in our body that is the temple, the flesh being a thief and stealing our joy. Friend, I've lived that. There are still times in my life when this old flesh rises up in me and attempts to steal my joy. You know what? When I succumb to it, it does. There are none of us here tonight who can deny that. Every one of us have experienced that. And so I don't know where you are tonight in reference to that. But friend, I want to go out of this place every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day because I have the wonderful privilege of being here every day. I want to go out of here with joy so that folks can know, friend, it's not me. It's the one in me. For greater is He that is in me than he who's in the world.